That was it. The last time that intro plays. My name is Curtis Childs. Welcome back to Swedenborg and Life. Uh, this is Dr. Jonathan Rose. Hey, Curtis. Series editor. And I'm not, I'm serious. That's the last time that intro is going to play. Yeah, that's right. Did you, I don't, you at home, this may come as a shock, but like we're about to upgrade everything about our show. Did we not tell you? And one of the things we're going to upgrade is the intro. So that was the last time. Cool. I mean, of course. It was already so good. It lives in perpetuity on all the other shows we've recorded right. with on. But just so you know, before it walks out the door, if you watch the, the sort of seven scenes that go with the seven piano chords, these are the seven basic tenets of Swedenborgianism. I mean, this is like his correspondences, his model of the mind, right. his model of life after death, and everything in between. So that was, the idea was to encompass all of those. Nice. To give, so people are coming in and they're like, whoa, what could possibly have commentary on all this different stuff? Swedenborg. Yeah. That's right. So that that, that was that. Thank you, everyone, for riding nice. that with us. Okay, but we got a show to do today. Let's not just get hung up on the future slash past. Let's get into our topic. We're going to do it like we always do it, which is by this magic thing. There are six stages to every good YouTube show. And the six stages for every good YouTube <laughs> show are these ones. Icebreaker, which is where we... You were gone for a week. Did we lose right. our magic? Are, are we no longer mm, in sync? That's right. right. Let's find out. Nobody is wondering this. Uh, so we're going to find out. The icebreaker is going to help us get back into the groove. We've got our Swedenborg keywords because that's just what you do. You've got to have right. those. That's right. you got to have that. If you don't have those, you don't have anything. That's key. This... <laughs> let the record state that that was hilarious. And we didn't come up with that in rehearsal. That was, that was just now. <laughs> Spiritual World Road Trip is where we take these keywords and we see how they apply through Swedenborg's experiences in the spiritual world. Then we have our chat Q&A, which is live interaction with you mm. and the audience. We get to hear in real time what you're thinking. You ask us things. We, we bumble along and we do what we can. Then we have a guest story. We get to meet a member of the audience. And then we get back to the results from this icebreaker. So that sounds like a heck of a journey. And mm -hmm. I think we should go on it. So we got to begin in the beginning with part one. So how the icebreaker works is there's a question, and this question is posed, and you may think it's just posed to us, but uh -huh. it's actually posed to everyone. That's so as right. we answer this question, we want you in the chat to be answering as well, and we'll be compiling all your answers, and we'll, at the end of the show, get to hear from everyone, and that actually is a pretty magical part of the show, because you get yeah. to see how are these ideas having impact, and you get to meet the other people, and it just, when you're thinking about something be it a life, and I know I haven't let you get a word in, <laughs> yeah. but but hopefully I'll, I'll run out of steam here. Um, once you've got something that's rattling around in your brain, you want to see how it rattles around in everyone else's brain. That's right. And we're going to do that's that. True. Let's let's get to our uh, our question. Okay. So what's this the is, question? It's a full screen question. I remember that this time. What's one <laughs> spiritual truth that has really helped you during a hard time? Because mm. if they oh, don't help you one. during a hard time. Are they That's really right. worth doing That's all right. this programming about? Mm. I want to start by saying that just as we were counting down to this show, I realized, oh, temptation. Like the concept that uh -huh. is the title of this show, which is going to be the key word, temptation, has helped me a lot as a Swedenborg's concept. And you might think, how could temptation help anyone? Isn't that just like, oh, I should or shouldn't do this thing? Well, that's part of what you're going to learn when we get to the keyword. That's right. So that's my one I won't go into now because I want to spoil the keyword. The one that I will say, though, that has been helping me today and recently is Swedenborg has this idea that God does everything that's good. Like that God is actually the source of everything that's uh -huh. good. And the way that that helps me in particular is um, 
whatever head traffic you get about something, usually that's an antidote that got, because there'll be some concern about like how you're going to go do this show tonight. How's this show going to go? I'm, God is doing this show tonight. Mm. And let us say that you and I are, are like, like down, out putting this perfect divinity, but just know God ever does everything that's good. And so what that does is it doesn't really change what we do when we sit here, but it changes the voices in your head are just like, yeah. oh, well. Uh, and then, <laughs> then it's like, well, how is this thing going to turn out? Well, I'm not really in charge of how well my trajectory X goes. God does that. And I find that mm. for whatever reason, that works in my mind. And it's just like getting me really relaxed and peaced out. So that was helping me. Oh, that's great. That's great. I like that. The thing that came to mind for me is, um, uh, and it also relates to temptation, which we'll be talking about some more tonight. But it's just that when I'm in a particularly tough spot, uh, and there's all kinds of noise going on in my head, you know, crazy thoughts or, or what, whatever kind of stuff going on in my head, uh, the fact that you actually have two sets of signals coming in. You have evil spirits who are making noise. You mm -hmm. have angels who are also making their their beautiful little sound. But because our lower mind is closer to the evil spirits, it's much louder. Uh -huh. And so in a given hour, I'll hear 59 and three-quarter minutes of noise from hell, you know? Yeah. And then in for when it just it breaks every so often, you get a little little ray of light. You just get ding. You get a little quiet thought from the angels. That's so helpful. And I realize they're trying to, you know, get it through the noise all the time. Yeah. But my head is full of this other noise, and so just although it seems like oh well, it it must be all about the evil noise. Uh, but no, that 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 angel signal is more powerful actually yeah it's just farther away in when i'm in that state you know yep. so that inequality has actually helped me understand what's going through my head yeah and why i can have both good thoughts and bad thoughts got almost simultaneously you know going on kind of thing i love it and that that but the frequency and the volume that's not an indicator of the quality. You'd think if you didn't that's have right. that information, like, well, whatever is loud and more is the thing that's more present that and real. That must be the thing. Yeah, that must be it. Why not so? That's not right. So. so that's us. How about you? Please get your answers in. In the meantime, uh, we are going to be moving on to, as we were saying, it's keyword time, baby. That's part two. So our show today is about temptation. Hey, why don't you want to watch a show about Temptation? Yeah, it's awesome. Like, what, what, oh, wasn't there Temptation Island? Wasn't that like a reality <laughs> TV show? This is not going to give you any of that kind of entertainment, um, but it's going to give you a whole new way to look at that mm. term. But I want to stop because, so, so generally when you hear the word temptation in modern English, uh, you know, whatever, English-speaking world in 2018 context, it, you'd think temptation. Well, there's a brownie there, and right. I know I'm not supposed to eat that, but I really want to eat that while well, I'm tempted. That that's temptation. However, you will find this word temptation all over Swedenborg, and it while that oh I want the brownie maybe a tiny sliver tiny of it tiny sliver right in essence it is something vastly different from that yeah but you will also not find that word temptation in the NCE translations, right? Or, or not always? Yeah, not 
not often. It, it is here and there. Well, will you explain a little more? What, what did you replace it with and why? What we replaced it with was, was various different phrases, and we give our different translators the freedom to, to choose what's good, and then the editorial yeah. team goes over that. That's nice of you. And, um, <laughs> and so we use phrases, because really looking at what Swedenborg meant by it, which is what we'll be digging into tonight, we realized that really a better term would be uh, some use trials, uh, uh, some talk about a, a spiritual crisis yep. or crises of the spirit. Because crisis really gets it across. Temptation could be a very pleasant thing. Yeah, I, I mean, it's frustrating yeah. if you want the cheesecake and you and you think you probably shouldn't have it or something yeah. like that. But generally, where you are is like, ooh, delight. You yeah. know, I'm lit up. Look, look at that. I want to eat that or something. Yeah. And that is. Most of what he's talking about is a very painful, really deeply painful, difficult kind of experience. So we use terms like spiritual crisis or crisis of the spirit, crises of the spirit in the plural, uh, spiritual tests, trials, things like that. Yeah, and I'm glad that you do because it took me a long time to get my wrap my head around how different his concept of this thing was. Whatever we want to call it, this thing, though, is... Can you think of something more important to human development than the thing he's describing? Right? I think one of my favorite things that he says is the material about temptation because he yeah. really sort of reveals the whole process. Yeah. Here's what's happening in your mind. This is where this is coming from. This is where this is. And it's so help when you're in a really difficult state like that. It's so helpful. Yeah, wouldn't you like some insider information into the processes that go on in your own mind? That's what we got today. This is from New Jerusalem 187. Let's begin to explore what temptation is. Oh, and in this translation, we're using the phrase spiritual crises. There you go. Uh, we kept temptation in the title because temptation is known throughout, like, you know, Christianity, like, it's lead biblical, us not into temptation. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's kind of what ties it together, but we'll be using all its different renderings here. Only people who are being re regenerated experience spiritual crises. Sorry, that would be, their Latin is what, tentatio? Yes, tentatio. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's right. why it was originally rendered temptation because the Latin word is like it. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Only people who are being regenerated experience spiritual crises. And I'm just kidding. Because spiritual crises are times of mental anguish for people whose lives are devoted to goodness and truth. Oh, see right there. I mean, what? Times of mental anguish. It's like I don't feel any anguish, particularly if I look at a, a nice piece of food that I yeah. want to eat that I shouldn't eat. It's not. The, you know what I mean? It's not. I, I may feel frustrated or something. Yeah. I wouldn't call it mental anguish. You know, it's not yes. torment or something. Look at that. In that so, same degree. Right. The descriptor and people whose lives are devoted devoted to goodness and truth. Yeah, that's right. This is a particular affliction. Yeah. This is a blessing that good people this get. Is, yeah, you try to do the right thing, here's your reward. Here you go. And so where does all, where is it coming from? These crises are brought about by evil spirits. Ah. When okay. they, meaning the evil spirits, stir up the evils in us, an anxiety wells up inside that is a symptom of our spiritual crisis. What a what a thing to say. So you get this feeling of anxiety, but and you would naturally just think, well, I'm just feeling uneasy. I'm, I'm feeling yeah. anxious right now. Not having any clue, if you don't happen to have your spiritual eyes open, that it's evil spirits that are stirring you know, evil things in us yes. uh, of whatever kind. And the Swedenborg would go off and see these angels and spirits, but he comes back with this description of, this is why you're feeling like this right now. This is why you feel this and, way. That's right. And yeah, if, you, if this is your first time watching this show, yep, it's going to be this weird 
through the whole thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, because it keeps going. We are not aware, however, of where the anxiety is coming from because we do not realize that a spiritual crisis is its source. We would probably tie it to events, like, oh, I'm anxious because this, I'm worried about this thing, or or whatever, but it's not really the thing it latches on to. Right, and and sometimes you're just sitting around as a perfectly nice evening or something like that, and you just feel this deep sense of, like, everything's horribly wrong or something, you know. I have that right now. (laughs) Okay, so let's... But no, it's we laugh because we, like all of you, have been through this oh, yeah, miserable right. experience. And right, not yeah. So anyway, let's let's continue forward. There are evil spirits and good spirits with each of us. The evil yeah, that spirit is such a weird teaching. If yep. you don't mind me sure. interrupting for no, a second, because do. you would sort of think even okay, big leap just to get to spirits, right? Spirits, big leap. Are yeah. we going back to the Middle Ages? Or how do we yeah. get spirits? It's enough to kill Swedenborg's career. That's right. right. And then to say that you you would think what he would say would be that well good people have good spirits with them and evil people have evil spirits. Oh, with I never them. thought of that. Yep. But no, he says every single one of us has both. Yeah. With us. And what is so it, weird? What does it mean to be with us? Well, look what he mm. says here: the evil spirits are in our evil tendencies. Oh, that's so and weird. And the good spirits are in our good tendencies. When the mm. evil spirits come closer, they stir up our evil tendencies, and the good spirits respond by stirring up our good ones. Oh, and see, they started it, right? Isn't that the time old? Right. Like, who started it? Oh, it's always the evil spirit. Like, the, the good spirits don't start a process like this. Yeah. It's evil spirits who come up and they, they, they come closer and they stir up our evil tendencies and then good spirits respond by stirring up our good ones. So but it never yeah, goes the other way around. They're sort of both arming themselves here. This leads to a collision and a battle that causes us the inner anxiety that is a crisis of the spirit. I like that phrase, inner anxiety. Yeah. There. yeah. It's not just sort of that external anxiety you get when you're, you know, sweating before you have to take a test or something yep, like that. that yep. this, is, this is something that feels really deep. We can see from this that spiritual crises are caused by hell and do not come from heaven. There you go. This is also what is taught by the faith of the church, which is that God does not test anyone. Yeah, I think he's referring to James chapter 1 there that says that God does not tempt anyone. I'll take anyone your word or something for like it. Yeah. yeah but... So. And I think that's important because it, he does sometimes refer to them as tests. Uh, and that this is important that it's not God sitting there and saying, "Let's see how much you can handle. Are you really worthy of me? Right. I'm going to test you." That this is uh, this is um, an, almost like a chemical reaction. That when hell, heaven and hell are right with us, hell approaches and they're coming for blood. Heaven naturally reacts, stirs up the good things in our defense, and this clash between them is what we feel. Yeah, and I think partly it's a collision because we have both of those things, and we have things in us that respond. Mm-hmm. To each side of the equation, so yes. it may feel like just sort of a battle going on inside ourselves, but we don't realize there are other players that are that are pushing pushing the thing. Right. So let's um, let's let's look at another quote here because even though evil spirits bring on the temptations, this is not like it's too bad this happened. You know, these evil spirits showed up. Yes. Right. Right. Like like we're, we're just victims. Like the evil spirits roll in. What can you do? You know, that, right. that that God can bring good out of anything, but actually particularly these crises that come up can be used to make amazing progress Mm. in our spirits. This is New Jerusalem 194. There we go. What is at stake in crises of the spirit is either the dominance of goodness over evil or the dominance of evil over goodness. And I guess that's within us, right? 
I would, I would, I would say yeah. so. Pretty high stakes. So that's the point. Both sides are coming, and hell is like we uh, want okay. evil this to be in it. charge. This is it. Mm-hmm. Make your move, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> just to go for domination. The evil that wants to take control is in our earthly or outer self, and the goodness oh. is in our spiritual or inner self. Oh, we did a keyword a, a while back about those, didn't we? Yeah, that's self. right. Check it out. And on so, YouTube. so that's interesting that they're on different levels of ourselves. Yeah. Swedenborg says in one passage I saw that if they were on the same level, they would just destroy each other. Oh, really? You know, yeah. So they're separated. You know, so yeah. that they so they don't destroy each other or us, uh, but there's still this battle that goes on between the two, right? And I think that's what I was talking about when one is being, you know, just occurs to me that like one is quieter than the, you know, yes. If your consciousness, which my consciousness usually is, is out in my earthly or outer self, Burn. then I'm hearing the evil very loud, yes, and that goodness is. Just leaking yep. through quietly from the inner Yep, yep. Uh, okay, so... Oh, right, we're after the ellipses. Dot, dot, dot. Crises of the Spirit help goodness in us con- gain control over evil and truth gain control over falsity. Oh, they help that. Yeah. They help reinforce truths and join them to goodness and at the same time shatter evils and the falsities that arise oh, from them. So even though evil spirits have the fun of feeling like they started it, like yeah. I am getting so sick of this person. I, let's go. You know, let's yep. just attack now, and yet it serves a purpose. The Lord, good. This will this will actually help to yep. sort this out. Yep. And because going through this anxiety sort of clarifies things in the mind. He goes on here. And, and what do you need to shatter evils? You right. know, it says shattering evil. Like is that ammonia? You know, what do you use on that? Let's see. They also serve to open our inner spiritual self and bring our earthly self under its control, break up our love for ourselves and for the world, and tame the cravings that arise from them. Once this has been done, we come into enlightenment and Mm. gain a perception of what is true and what is good, and of what is false and what is evil. This gives us intelligence and wisdom, which then keep growing day by day. Well, you know, is that all? I mean, is it worth it to go through the pain to have your spiritual inner self open? to break up your love of self in the world, tame the cravings, come into enlightenment, gain a perception, and give it's, growing intelligence. It doesn't seem worth it. It's not a bad list of perks. Right? Yeah. And this this underscores what we were saying before, the importance of <laughs> crises of the spirit or of temptations. Yeah. So, And, and to, to make this hopefully a little clearer, um, we wanted to bring in a really um, elegant example. Yes. This, which is, of course, a pipe cleaner tree. There you go. There we go. So this, though, stands, as I would dare say, correspondence. Because think about a tree. You have on it all these branches and there are leaves. But let's say that the the tree is us. So there are some things in us that are living and receptive and help us grow, these red and these pinks. Uh But some of these leaves in the front have turned dark after they've died. Right. You know, oh, they've shriveled I up, see. So lost. some of the tree is dead. Some limbs yeah. are dead. Some leaves are dead. That's right. They've lost all their um, chlorophyll and everything's been sucked up out of those leaves. Right? Doesn't mean the tree, whole tree is dead. Just a part. But there's just part of it that's dead. But these leaves are still there, kind of blocking the way for any new leaves to take advantage of this sunlight. Right. Mm. So that so here we are, we're in this state. And we're in this state all the time. No matter where you are, there's always some stuff in you that's good. Some stuff needs to get taken away. Yeah. All that. So the temptation is like a storm. Let's say a storm comes through and wow. <laughs> That's what it does. Look at that. Hey, there's no there's no more dark leaves on there anymore. 
because this stuff that's alive doesn't fall when we are shaken, right? But the stuff that is not actually living and attached can be shaken up. You had a really good wow. Quote yeah, about yeah. That. There's a quote from the Hebrews that says something about that that uh, what cannot be shaken may remain. Yeah. You know, and it talks about things that are made or something as if you have some stuff that's in you that's kind of fabricated. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that you may even think, well, wait, I thought that one leaf was the best part of me, yeah. you know, but, but it may be something sort of made up. Mm-hmm. And when you get shaken like that, it actually strengthens, you know, they did this thing in the biosphere years ago where they, they, they built a dome and they wanted to grow things in there. Mm-hmm. But the, the one thing they didn't have in there was any wind. Yeah. And I don't know if this is accurate or not, but I heard that the, the, the trees would not grow very tall and they would just fall over because they never got strong because it's the wind that makes them strong. So, you know? yeah, right. So you need that. Kind of, that's part of growth. It's built into biological systems and now these branches are open and ready to grow some new leaves. Oh, on. that's right. The, the clutter and so the chances are, if we came back in a little bit, there'd be more yep. there than, than than there is now. That's nice, and and it sort of matches my shirt. That's nice. Oh, synchronicity, divine mm-hmm. providence. There are a couple of shows we did that would explore this a little bit farther um, in even greater depth. Yes, yeah, right. Spiritual detoxing is all about this. So is spiritual fermentation, looking at it from a correspondential viewpoint. So we've done a lot of talking about this, going into depth and in the different parts of it. So it's important to realize that as we go through these temptations, that actually forges and strengthens uh, a bond with God. Yeah, the, the impression that I've gotten is that it is allowed by God, even though it sort of comes from a dark, you know, even though evil yeah. spirits sort of attack, it's allowed because there's nothing quicker and better to achieve all those amazing things it described about, yeah. you know, the opening of your inner self and enlightenment, all this. Yeah. It's the quick route because actually all those leaves that were dead are getting in the way. Yep. And and uh, this this is a quick, it's, it's rapid forward growth. And so the yeah. Lord allows it, even as painful as it is to go through when you're having that inner anxiety, yep. there's great stuff that can come out of it. And that's what I love about the fact that Swedenborg lays this out, is that when you're going through that, you think your life is over. You think you're a horrible person, and, yeah. and, and it's all just gone horribly wrong, and everything's shattered and, yeah. or something. Uh, and so it's so helpful at least to have that. When you have these ideas in your mind, there's a little bit that angels can use to just say, no, we're not as bad as we thought. Yeah, It's okay. This is good. It's okay. And it's going to be even better than it was before because of the kind of stuff that's happening in true Christianity 126. Mm. He talks about this the, the end game here. During our spiritual tests, we are apparently left completely alone, although in fact we are not alone. At those times, God is most intimately present at our deepest level, giving us support. Because of that inner presence, when any of us have success in a spiritual test, we form a partnership with God at the deepest level. That's so cool. And so I know, I, you know, I don't know if I've been through the whole thing that Swedenborg's talking about, but uh, the things that I've been through, you do feel terribly alone. Yeah, this seems to be one of the kind of characteristics of it. Yeah. Uh, so it's powerful to be told, even if you don't feel it, no, that God is there at the deepest level, sort of holding things together. It feels like it's all falling apart, but he's, he's got you, you know. That's right. And then you form a relationship that help 
cannot break is can't can't hack in there you know what i mean because yeah. at that deepest level you made some connection yeah and you've uh, i mean i've found in again yeah you never know what, what you're going through whether you're going through but i just know in general difficult times like this you see as a reality your dependence on god and that's right and your inability to um defend on yourself fully you see the the difference between um heaven and hell I feel like all this stuff becomes yeah. not just something you've heard about, but something you're like viscerally experienced. And yeah. then, then it just gets a little bit more real. You know? That's right. And I'm remembering the teaching that um, it will continue, you know, like really hard ones will continue to the point of despair. Yeah. And then you like your own powers fails and you sort of drop. You can't hang on to the rope anymore. Just like you're falling through yeah. space. And then something picks you up. And this, was, and then you realize, oh wow, okay, you learned a lot about God and yourself in that moment. For FWIW, for what it's worth, uh, this is how Swedenborg got to hit B. Swedenborg. Well, that's how he got to be. He went through. He writes about it in his journal dreams. And we so did on. a that's show, right. another show, believe it or not, called Spiritual Warfare: The Battle Between Heaven and Hell, where we further go into some of these same mm. numbers and illustrate it more. But we got to move on because we're late. We're late for our spiritual road what? trip. The train is leaving the Time station. We got to see that? how this play, all this stuff plays out in the spiritual world, and we're going there right now. Okay, how the game goes is, it's uh, it, this is what they would call um, learning in the field. What do they call, you know? Oh, yeah, like when right, you go, field research we or something. Do, we don't just, like, you see these commercials for universities. We don't just teach in the classroom. They go that's out right. and they learn yeah, in the that, real that, world. That, that's right. So this is like, we don't just teach you weird <laughs> Swedenborg stuff in the, inside of his quotes. We teach you in his other quotes about his trips he took. So that's the, the bar we're setting here. So we're going to be reading from Spiritual Experiences 2207 and 228. There's actually two stories we're going to do here. Uh -huh. And they're going to illustrate two, two different important points. So this is first entitled, About an Angelic Mental Image in the Lord's Prayer. Huh, in the Lord's, and I guess that's someone praying right there. Yes, right? that's yeah, right. Okay. About an, I was just pondering whether I should have taken this tree off. The, I guess it's, you know, the tree is an enduring symbol of what we get afterwards. So that's I'm right, say that's that. good. About an angelic mental image, it has also come to my notice during the during praying the praying of the Lord's Prayer, when one prays, "Lead us not into temptation, and deliver us from evil." And so he says, he's, you know, that's from Matthew and that Luke phrase, in different parts. That's right. That by a certain mental image, temptation and evil is rejected. Namely, in my cruder mental image, it was thrown back, if you will, to the back of my head. Oh. And what remains is angelic, namely the goodness of the Lord. Wow. So when he's saying the prayer, he could actually see that yeah. get thrown to a different part of his head, kind of. Right. Hmm. About the Lord's goodness, countless angelic mental images are taking shape, concerned with how good results from our affliction. Yet, oh, that's just what we're talking about. Today. That's right. How he, good results from our affliction. Okay. Yet the affliction comes from us. From our evil, which carries its punishment with it, while the good is the Lord's. So it's a little bit different than saying the evil spirits attack. Yeah. It's, and that's also something that James says in chapter 1, that they come from ourselves, from our own lusts yeah. and things like that. But that's, well, and yeah. Swedenborg is really sort of layered about that, because he'll say, like, oh, this evil is our own, because it feels like it's our own. It feels like we own it and participate in it. But if you actually look at the source, it's coming from hell, and we don't actually originate anything. So or, or some of it may be inherited. 
yeah. you know, our parents were wonderful, but yeah. you know, you still yeah. get some stuff. So R is is relative. Um, this shows to some extent what the image of rejecting the notion of evil is, even if it is only a crude one that I saw, because it was observable and rather rapid. In it, there was something of indignation that the evil of affliction or temptation should be thought to come from the Lord. Yeah, that's right. And it is, it is, it's the wrong word to use, but tempting when you're in that state to think that maybe you're being punished. Yeah. By God, you know, there's something horrible you did, and yeah. that's why you're feeling this bad. Yep. And so it's interesting that there's something in that state that says, "No, it's not about that." Yeah. Come on. No, and it's it, or that this is like the the yeah that the Lord is punishing you somehow. The, the pain you're feeling is the Lord pounding on you. But this is the difference between yeah somebody attacking or abusing you and like a surgeon. Working on you, like both can hurt. That's right. But the, the, there's a world of difference and between he didn't the pain. Cause the accident. That's right. But he's going to help you with it. Right. Yeah. Right. That's so right. that's the first story. Mm. So that that yeah again is just to show that this it really matters to Swedenborg to get the point across that that the source of this matters because if you think oh this is this is God uh, against me then that's going to make it impossible to navigate it and get a clear picture and everything like that. And I guess when you see good come out of affliction, like Sweden yeah. talks about the consolation that comes after temptation, you know, when you, after you've been through it, yeah. you survive it, come out the other side and you realize you're, you're a little better than you were before, uh, then you realize, oh, okay. Yeah, the good comes out of right. that affliction. Right, right, right. So then with our second story, Swedenborg is observing an angel's attempt to interact with the mind of a person. Interesting that this is the very next passage, isn't it? 2208, right. I think. And yeah. this is this is somebody that Swedenborg, maybe he sees him while he's on a walk. We're not totally sure how Yeah, it it's down. interesting. It seems like he's out on a walk and yeah. he sees some angel wanting to interact with somebody else he sees on yeah. the walk or something like that. So the attempt of an angel to work through interactions... Or correspondences is another translation. While I was walking along the road, an angel attempted to see how the properties of an angel flowed into an earthly human, and thus to inter investigate the interactions. Now, this is a major question that comes up a lot on this show. It's like, how much can angels influence us? What's right. the nature of that right. influence, right? That's right. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, we're, yeah. I think, the, and the angel... Is wondering the same thing. Yeah. He's like, how, this, what can how much I actually can I do? Let me see if I can do this. Let me see if I can do that. Think of angels as they never have to experiment. They're angels. They That's know right. Before. They know. Uh, yeah. Yes, but they here have we insight. have it. This is an angel like doing the scientific method here. Wait, let me see if I can do this. But he did not. So, of course, it's going to work, right? Because it's an of angel. It's an angel. But yeah. he did not. I wish I hadn't started reading that sentence. He did not succeed except in a few respects. So most of it failed. Ah, so like out of a hundred efforts, maybe yeah. two or three had yes. any impact, the, whatever they were, who knows what they were. Right. The reason I realized was that the thoughts of angels, though richer than the person's thought, had too little effect to arouse interactions. Huh. So they didn't have impact yeah. somehow. So even though in and of the angel... In the angel's mind, what's going on, that thought is just really deep and rich and wonderful, but you can't export it. Yes. Even in this world, isn't it true? You can't just kind of do a mind dump and someone right. else, has, you know, uh, it's like you... you like, yeah. oh, sorry, I don't follow you, whatever you're saying. <laughs> Get it? Um, and besides, things of this person's own were getting mixed in and thus 
evil feelings which were being stirred up. Mm. Moreover, these feelings are of a cruder quality. And when they stirred them often enough, they also aroused a mixture in the person's mind, letting spirits grasp the opportunity to raise up disharmonious mental imagery. Mm. So just everything's getting all bogged down in this person's own brain. interesting, it's about imagery again, that the angel is trying to put some kind of good imagery into your mind, but... And that may be what I was talking about before, where you get, you know, maybe that was what I was experiencing, like one little 15 seconds an hour or right. something. You know, maybe, maybe they were trying the whole hour, That's but, right. but I'm only receiving like, oh, finally one little tiny fragment of it. Right. In short, angel's mental imagery, in short, the effect of an angel's mental imagery is extremely limited and cannot possibly lead a person on earth. So this is this is one example he's giving, and, yeah. and and the reason we put it here is, and, and it's not. Uh, there are other times when he describes angels having a, a, quite a lot of power over our mind and will and that kind of thing. But this is a side of it that does exist, and I think that the reason we'd want to include this here is that it's showing this angel is trying to get angelic stuff in, but there's all kinds of stuff gunking up the person's mind, That's which would be true of all of us. And what these spiritual crises or what these temptations do is they are clearing us out. Those were these leaves, these dead leaves that were That's like right. angels trying to, sh- you know, shed some light on this stuff. There's no receptors there. The more we populate ourselves with this new living stuff, then these angels are going to have their messages received and felt and taken into life. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And so from our standpoint, we think, oh, no, I'm going through this horrible thing. But it's a great thing, opening up to allow all that angelic influence to come in in a better way. So you get a little more of that imagery or a little more of that impact. That's that's what we want to do, right? Open ourselves up to more heavenly impact. Because it's a cleaning of the mind. And when you clean anything, think about when you cl- if you try to clean your garage, it becomes much more of a mess <laughs> yes. for a while. Everything's out. There's all this, you know. That's it. But then afterwards, it's a little bit cleaner. <laughs> yeah. And it would be sort of like someone else cleaning your garage where you say, what are you doing? You know? Yeah. It's like you've completely messed up my no, garage. No, I need all six of those you, bicycles. <laughs> and you don't realize. No, they are, that's on the way out. Yeah. You're seeing it. Yeah. But it's uh, in fact now it's in the yard. Oh, now it's out by the trash. You know, yeah. so it's it's just on its way out. So, speaking of on its way out, this is the end of our monologue, dialogue, teaching section. Oh, we nice. want to hear the response now. Okay, like we, so, like, how does that strike you? Do, you, do have we cu- clearly communicated the concept of the temptation slash spiritual crisis slash times of trial, etc.? Um, does it, have you ever felt something like that, or or what? What more are you wondering? This is what we're going to explore in part four. What's on your mind? How, how the game is played is you're in the YouTube chat room as we speak. Type them in. Type them in and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about what you want to talk about. Oh, I was wondering if I should move the tree, but I left the tree here. So what is it? <laughs> what, what do you got? Let's take a look. Here's the first one. This is Katie Barnes asks, what is the definition of a spiritual crisis? So let's see if we can't give ourselves a succinct definition based on mm. what we've accumulated through here and everything like that. Yeah, we, we wrote a note about this in the New Century Edition, and I think actually there's sort of six different pieces to it, something like that. Okay. But it's a situation where evil spirits start to stir up stuff in yourself. So you may go day by day and you feel like, oh, I'm I'm okay, I, you know, or something, but all of a sudden one day you're just like, 
horribly self-centered or you're having all these awful thoughts or, you know, or anxiety or or so anything along that spectrum of, that's of misery. right yeah yeah some sort of negative misery going on then the angels respond and they protect you and that causes this collision that you experience as an attack sometimes an attack of conscience or some sort of pain whatever we they say what whatever in temptation whatever we love is attacked and, and that's the more, right more dearly we love it the more viciously it's yeah attacked. and some temptations are about your thoughts what is true and what isn't and those are being challenged mm -hmm. and they're they're painful but even more so is the things that you love when you feel like they're being assaulted. Yeah. Or I think of that image from the crucifixion of the, the, the spear into Jesus' heart. You know, it goes like yeah. piercing all the way into the heart. Um, those are the most difficult kind. You mentioned earlier that the idea of I'm tempted to do this or that is a little slice of it. That when evil spirits are kicking all this stuff up in yeah. you, you could go through something where you're just suddenly you know, seized with desires that you're not normally feeling, you know. Yeah. But that's that's kind of a minor aspect of it. Would, and it continues yeah. until despair when it's, it's sort of broken up. So that's kind of an outline of it. Yeah, and I would imagine it, the exact feelings and what's under attack vary from person to person. Yeah. But in general, that's that's sort of how it plays out. And so the, the Swedenborg seems to indicate that we're v very... Um, clueless about the mechanics of what's going on right. inside us we That's just right. feel this sort of misery anxiety whatever it is we're we're usually not aware that this is any kind of clash or that this is something different than just your average right anxiety and what makes it different from sort of an earthly worldly financial crisis or something like that is that swedenborg says that the 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 issue mm. is is spiritual like yeah. it's sort of is there a God? Does God love me? Am I being taken care of? Or, yeah. you know, things like that. You know, yes. they're sort of spiritual or eternal things or feeling like you're not salvable or, or Yeah, yeah, like along a spectrum, but not obviously like, I can't find my keys. Right. You know, and he says that sometimes when you do go through like a physical illness, <laughs> yes, can't find your keys is sort of a wild example, but if you get fired or something, yeah. you, it can occasion, you can have ones that are both, they're yes. earthly temptation, you know, cr crisis kind of thing and yeah. a spiritual one at the same time. You think about the, you know, the, all the, the disease textbooks and the DSMV or whatever, yeah, these right. huge descriptors of these mental and physical maladies, I would imagine crises of the spirit have just as much variety. A big book in the yeah. other world, yeah. So that there we go. There's our definition. Is ah, there's too much of a definition to give right now. All right, let's thank. Thanks so much, Katie. Let's take a look at the next question. Mr. Binkers the cat asks, "What is the opposite of temptation?" Well, the Swedenborg does describe that once temptation is complete, we enter a period of consolation. Yeah. Where you are experiencing, he says in, in certain passages, to the extent that you felt despair in the temptation, you feel consolation afterwards. I, to me, I take that as the opposite. Like if the temptation is the absence of love, the absence of truth, uh, the pangs that result from that, the opposite is everything makes sense, everything feels good, I feel safe. The best depiction of this, if you will, in um, movies that I can think of is the Christmas Carol, uh, Dickens' yep. Christmas Carol, yep. where at the end, 
the guy. I just there's one of the older ones that I re- really love where the guy is just kind of giddy and weeping and say, "Oh, I don't deserve all this happiness." And he's yeah. like, he's so, "Oh, what a wonderful boy!" And all, you know, yes. all this stuff. Like he's, he's, he's. I think it's a great description that you've been through this kind of harrowing experience, yeah. And and then you feel kind of reborn and light and and yeah. and uh, uh, peaceful and happiness and, and Scrooge's, tender feelings and so on. Scrooge is hyped up about his ability to do good now in the present. He's saying, yeah, it's still right. Christmas. I can go make things yeah. right with Bob Cratchit. They did it all in one night. And then, yeah. The, 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 that's a component of it is suddenly he's overcome with the, the, the beauty of life and the importance of the kindness that we can do now. The that, possibility that he can yeah. make a difference. It's not too late and all yeah. that kind of stuff. That's yeah. sort of the opposite of, yeah. of, of the selfishness. Yeah. Okay. So that's a great question. And, and, uh, and I think a pretty good answer. Okay. <laughs> Next one. This is, let's take one more here. This is Pete Dawson who asks, if spiritual crises are always caused by evil spirits, do we then have no responsibility for our thoughts and actions? Ah, great That's a great question. question great Pete. question. And so let's talk about what is responsibility. I think you always have responsibility for your actions. To some, I mean, it's, barring like a barring some kind of, there are certain circumstances where it seems like physically. There's you're a so lot just of taken over or something like that, but but in know. general actions, I feel like you're almost always responsible for, and thoughts are almost never responsible for. It's the dwelling on thoughts that maybe, but but I find that there's a lot of times when I'm thinking things that I don't particularly want to be thinking, but it, you can't really turn that faucet off. Yeah, so I wouldn't say there because uh, people will describe, oh, I just have these thoughts I'm so ashamed of. Um, but you can't. It's it's sort of like oh, there's there's this terrible TV show on, but you can't turn it off. You yeah. Know? So, but right. but if you're like loving it and tuning in and and acting it out, that's that's when it starts to be. You make it your own. And even though part of the experience is this sense of powerlessness, I think you know, in the face of that attack, uh, Swedenborg says that it's very important that we still get our little plastic sword and our yeah. little fake shield and yes. go out and pretend to join the battle. Yeah. Because uh, you remember Swedenborg said in there that it's about the dominance of good over evil or of evil over good. You know, both could be an outcome. And so we sort of get to pick which side we want to fight on, even though we have no power, we can't do anything. Yeah. But still, if you just efforts to resist, even though they feel futile at that time, actually have big positive consequences uh, when you're in it. Uh, so I think we do, it's not just an experience that we float through, like going through a car wash or something. There's, there's something that you, that your, your will and your freedom are engaged to, to try to weigh in on what's going on. Yeah. And you think about evil spirits coming up and they induce this anxiety and these, that's not what, what they wanted. What they want is you completely destroyed Right. But they're getting halfway to what they want, and heaven is coming in with all this good stuff. They wanted, they want you to feel yeah. happy, and good. so we are caught in this middle. And right, while like you're saying, while we don't actually have a lot of firepower, something about the way what we choose does can throw the whole thing either direction. So it would be like um, not the, the the concept of not taking ownership of those thoughts and trying to not put them into action and and not condoning actions based on those that's mm. that's like our part you know that's what we do Swedenborg describes it being like 
you know, we have 14 pounds per square inch of air pressure on each side of us at all times. Mm. But we're completely free to move through that, you know. Yes. And so, yes, we have this equal and opposite pressure from heaven and from hell. But that actually gives us a freedom. We may not realize it when we're in this situation. Something I often feel is that I, the freedom I really want is the freedom not to be having this experience. <laughs> you know, that's what I want when yeah. I'm in there. But uh, given the fact that you're in it, you do actually have some ability to push because you're being shoved on by kind of equal and opposite yeah. forces. And Swedenborg does say that this is when you're supposed to try to fight from truth from the word so this would be your, oh that's true your spiritual principles Very that good you point. know your your concept of of heaven and hell and god and what is right and wrong even just in how you think and what, how you react to your own thoughts, this is when those things become real. Like that, I said, that's very, very good point. Yeah, that's when, right. when you—that's what you fight with, not just with nothing like, or your fists. Or like something. I'm saying in, in my response to the very first question, what what's something that helped you and that God is doing what's good? Those are little mini temptate, you know, little yeah. mini temptations that I'm describing. But when they're coming at you really hard to say like, oh well, like you're not going to make me worry about how things are going to turn out for me in area X, because God is the one who has things turn out. Well, yeah, God yeah, is the one who's accomplishing right. things. That Suddenly when you're using that as a tool to gain leverage over hell in the mind, you learn to respect the tool, you restructure your own mind, and you make it less of an environment that hell can thrive in in the first place, so they're less um, prone to come back and attempt it again. That's right. And in terms of the question about no responsibility, I, I do think you, you lose, even Swedenborg talks about when he was going through a spiritual transition, that there were times when he completely lost control of his thoughts. Yes. You, you know, like like you you can sort of lose control of your thinking and things like that, but there still is an element of of responsibility. Right. Yep. In, in, in there. In particular. The and that actions. one passage said, it's actually stuff in us that's bringing those evil spirits. You know, they, exactly. they've got something to work with. They, they, yeah. It's not that they what, have nothing. What the temptation is doing is extricating us from a situation in which hell has any pull on us in the first place. They do right now. They just our nature, right. but they they don't know us. You know, yeah, you keep doing this, and that's and right. You make yourself immune it's to the, that. It's the best spiritual path forward, actually. So how's that for a good ending spot? The best spiritual path forward. All right. So what we wanted to do is, so we're trying to talk about these concepts and talk about them moving through human beings, making mm. a difference in human beings' lives. So we love to meet the people who are watching this show or who love Swedenborg in whatever form, and I love it because it's changing their mm. lives. So we got to sit down again. I got to have a conversation with Jane Siebert, who's actually the president of a, the Swedenborgian Church of North America. So she's not only interested in Swedenborg, but is interested, like, is devoting her life to it. So we got to hear a little bit about why and uh. what it's doing for her and everything. So here is the, the talk. Oh, we're going to get to it in part five. All right, everyone, we're excited here to be talking with Jane today and getting to hear a little bit about the impact Swedenborg has had for her. Jane, thanks so much for taking some time to, to talk with us today. Thank you. Thanks for asking. I'm, I'm been looking forward to this. Okay, very good. Me, me as well. And so I just want to start uh, where we usually start, which is how did you first, because you know, not everyone in the world knows about Swedenborg, so how did you get to be one of the lucky few? What was, how did you first find out about Swedenborg? Well, um, there are a few of us that married into the church, and that was my beginning. And actually, it started, my husband and I were in the Peace Corps, and we spent four years in Africa and Central America. And when I came back, um, my 
image of God was just, it didn't fit anymore for me. Um, I grew up fairly conservative Baptist background, American Baptist in Kansas. And once you get out and see more of the world and meet all the people, you realize what a big world this is. And my God, my image of God was way too small for, for this uh, experience that we had in the Peace Corps. And so when, um, we, came, we, we were there for four years, and when we came back, um, I was pregnant, and as they can say, I could say pregnant and barefoot, because we didn't have anything coming back from the Peace Corps. We, we didn't have jobs. We didn't have a car, and my husband's um, parents that were part of the Swedenborgian Church in Pretty Prairie, Kansas, um, the church offered us to stay in the church parsonage for $50 a month. And he couldn't That's not a bad rate. <laughs> so we moved into the church parsonage and kind of along with that comes that self-imposed idea that we should probably go to church. Yeah. So <laughs> we, um, we attended and I had attended a few times before because we'd been married for 10 years while we were at university and doing different things. And, um, you know, it was, it was interesting. It hadn't caught my attention. But when we came back, um, I started attending more regularly. And we, um, the Pretty Prairie Church has a very vibrant adult Sunday school class. And we were studying the Dole Notes. And this particular church um, in the middle of Kansas has studied the Dole Notes forever. And the Dole Notes were written um, by Anita Dole. And what's so good about them or what really helped me with them is she writes them at six different levels. Okay. So there's a level that's written notes for parents. So it may be, it's related to a scripture and to what Swedenborg said about that particular scripture. But then if you're a parent, it's kind of the things that you're dealing with. Mm. And then there's a level called beginner which is kind of where I started. Yeah. And then there's the level called intermediate. And see if I can get them all right. There's a junior, a senior, and an adult. So when Swedenborg's writings are new, as they were to me, um, you can study the dull notes and kind of work at what level uh, that you feel that you're at. And as you grow, you can, you can grow with, with the notes. So that, that's what I cut my teeth on. Yeah. Um, I also... Um, while, while we were in the, in the Peace Corps, while we were at university, and even as a young child, I would have so many questions about the Bible, and I would take them to um, my teachers in, in Sunday school at the Baptist Church, and they, they were wonderful people, but I could, never, I, I could never get my questions answered in a way that satisfied me. Yeah. And so by studying Swedenborg's writings through the Dole Notes and doing some reading on my own, but um, it just, it opened up the Bible in a way that my relationship with God grew again. And it had been pretty precarious there for a while. Um, I just had this limited image of God and I realized um, through the writings and uh, through the study that I'd done and, and through the experiences that I'd had that God is big enough to include everybody. That's, and that must have felt so good. To, okay, okay, I can reestablish this relationship with God now. And so, so that's so, and it's cool to think about you going from just being introduced to, to Swedenborg to now, you know, president of the, the Swedenborgian Church of North America. So what I want to know is what made you not just stick around, but get interested enough to be where you are? And how do you see 
Swedenborg's ideas changing your life and changing the people in, in your church's life? Right. Well, it, it took a while. Um, as uh, And I, I, when I was thinking about this, too, I was thinking about how what you're doing with Off the Left Eye is very similar to what I was able to do personally by studying, because you are making... Swedenborg accessible to people in a way that if you just pick up one of his books, for some of us, it's just pretty hard yeah, that's to right. yep. figure out what, what all he's saying. So um, I, w when we got back um, from the Peace Corps, I got a job as I was a pharmacist. So I got a job as a hospital pharmacist. And then um, we had two children and we continued to go to church. And I was just kind of a fringe um, member I wasn't I wasn't really that involved because I was so involved in the work that I was doing and I moved into retail pharmacy and I moved up the ladder of um, and really learned a lot about business as much as as pharmacy became director of pharmacy for a chain of, of pharmacies and um, and then I got burned out because I was just a workaholic and so I had decided that I wasn't my husband and I talked he was still working and, and I wasn't going to work anymore I was just going to enjoy life. Um, at the same time, I was elected to serve on the board of trustees of our seminary. And our seminary used to be located in Boston. And we had a seminary that was in this old mansion. And our students would go to school there. Their professor's offices were there. They lived there. I mean, it was just <laughs> all in one. Yeah, this kind of inclusive way to learn Swedenborg. And the thing that happened is we weren't having anybody interested in studying that way. So the board of trustees had to step back and say, what do we need to do to do differently that it would make it more encouraging for people to come and study to be ministers. And when we looked at Swedenborg's theology, you know, where he talks about diversity is what creates heavenly uh, experiences. And we realized that we needed, instead of just training everybody in this silo that we needed to open up and, and join with another seminary. And so we searched around at this time I was chair of the board and we found a place out in Berkeley, California. So we moved the, the seminary from Boston to Berkeley, plus all the books because Swedenborgian loved books and we oh, had yeah. a huge library and we moved out there and that was, that was the impetus for bringing that year we had five students start and um, while that doesn't sound like a lot for a Swedenborgian seminary that was a lot uh, of students. good number yeah. it's just it's made a world of difference so after we moved um i had my own call to the ministry so um i this was in the year 2000 and I felt that uh, this was something that I wanted to become a Swedenborgian minister. And so I studied um, there and I studied at a Quaker university and I put it all together to, to be ordained as a Swedenborgian minister in 2004. Um, and I worked hospital as a chaplain in the hospital most of the time and I served the churches in Kansas and um, it was just plenty, plenty to do and I enjoyed it. Um, and then in, and I was serving on the seminary board all through that time as chair too. I, I went back to the board after I was ordained. And then in 2015, they asked if I would be interested in running for president of the Swedenborgian Church of North America. And it is not anything I had ever planned to do or <laughs> even ever wanted to do. Yeah. But 
my abilities in business and my love for the church, um, they just kind of came together in a way that I said, okay, um, I will, I will run. And there were three of us that ran. The other were two male uh, clergy colleagues and I was elected president. So here I am. Awesome. Well, that's, that's a wonderful journey that you took there. And is it, has being in the, the role of president, um, you still find yourself, even though you've been around it for so long, are you still feeling like there are new insights occurring to you and you, you see the people you're working with getting that? Does it, does it still continue to be a source of inspiration in your life? That's why I watch off the left eye. <laughs> Isn't that my lead-in question? <laughs> I really, I always can learn something new. Um, when you're talking and, and with Jonathan Rose and the others, Chelsea, and those that you have in, come in with you. Um, that's the beauty of even these dole notes that this adult Sunday school has been studying. Every time you read it, you find something new. You know, you've read it before but you're ready to receive in a different way because you're at a different part in your life. So to me, that's, that's one of the coolest things about our tradition is, you know, you never know it all. And that's <laughs> a safe place to be because once you start thinking, you know, it all, that's, that's when you um, need to step back and really question. Absolutely. Well, that, and that's, that's a great sentiment to take with you into everything and, and particularly into spirituality, like you're saying there. Well, I mean, I just want to say thanks so much for being willing to, to take some time and it's just great getting to hear your story and getting to connect a little bit. Thank you. I appreciate it. You never know everything. That's right. That's our takeaway. That's good. I, I, I can't stop dancing to that music too cool thanks again jane for for that awesome interview and now we want to do another little interview a uh, survey whatever we would call it yeah we want to hear your answers to our icebreaker question so here we are on the ice melter the question was in case you forgot what's one spiritual truth that has really helped you during a hard time and i'm psyched to hear these. me too because i want to hear about some wait. some help that's the point of the whole thing is like the reason that, that we're up here and that everybody else who works on this show is putting time and effort into this is the hope that this is going to help and and yeah, particularly right. help during a really hard time. Particularly in a hard time. That's so right. So let's see if it, if uh, Swedenborg can do that for anybody. Okay, here's the response. Everything is temporary, even the bad stuff. Mm. That's one, right? Doesn't always feel like that, but but the Lord is always correcting our path to heaven. Mm, yeah, I not like just that. creating, but like not just yeah, there, right. but no, it's always get getting a adjusted. Correction. That's great. Love is all that matters. Mm. That there is a divine reason for the hard time to be occurring. There is something good that will arise out of the ashes of the pain. Beautifully expressed. A scripture that has helped me during hard times is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Mm. That's from Beth. Next, that God is incapable of being angry or disappointed in me. Yeah, and that's, a, that. that's a key one at, at times for sure. Uh, God's providence and knowing that he works everything for my good. Mm. So this is like the theme of like that, because when you're in the thick of something bad to think that nope, the only reason this can exist is that something eventually will come out of it remembering that god is not answering me late it's always his perfect timing which has no time schedule he was rescues me at the last minute and puts a smile on my face mm. when people die they go straight to angels who love and help them mm. right to not worry give it to god and then we go on we are all our true and lasting essence magnificent being sourced from love mm. love is our life that this is all temporary and we're really just getting started 
Yeah, that is nice to think. That's like, great, isn't it? I love yep. that one, yeah. Uh, and that's Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Where, where Swedenborg gave me peace was finding out that my husband has a much better chance of being allowed into heaven because he was a loving person. Mm. Right. That God loves us no matter what we are thinking, and there is hope for things to get better. The idea of being in a like-minded community in heaven, a community that works together for the betterment of all. Mm. That's, yeah, and what, what a cool thing to be working your way toward. One truth that helps me every day is that death is just a change in consciousness. That's right. I, I'm debating whether to stay with my pre-Swedenborg Discovery Church. I remember that Swedenborg says that as long as you love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself, not saved through faith alone, you are well on your way to heaven regardless of some other points of contention I'm bumping into for now. Yeah, that's right. right. So there's a situation like, can I still do this church yeah, or not? That's right. That it is not too late for me. I'm in a constant state of regeneration, mm. that God's love is always there for us. And then finally, the Bible story of the loaves and fishes and Jesus fed the people, because when I was very young, my family was very poor, and this story helped me know that I would have enough. Mm. One spiritual truth that helps me during the hard times is that it is all made of love. Hmm. Divine truth, God's infinite love, and heavenly angels are always with us and are stronger than e any evil and dark forces. This too shall pass. Hmm. And I love having these little, like, idea mantras, I would call them. Yeah, little scripture that's right. Quotes or something little scriptures that, that help out. That's right. For me, it's the revelation that God, God gives you what you love. That, re that really made me measure my behavior and my motives for both the good and bad that I've done. So that's an mm. awesome slice of, oh. of human experience and so many real life intense situations behind that, that text we see up on the screen. So we want to thank all of you for sharing that What a great with us. collection of, you know, Yes. That's great. Yeah, Publish it, it as a coffee table book. I mean, that's oh, awesome. Man. So, so, and because you all are such a great audience, we thought we would try to, to um, do you a solid. And so we're going to do that in a couple of ways. First of all, we are going to ask you to like and subscribe, which is actually you doing us a solid. Okay? That's right. Um, Reciprocal. The, if you wouldn't mind, this helps YouTube. The second way is we're going to give you a way to support us better. <laughs> yeah. So we, we're, we're, we're happy to announce that we got a really generous grant for our Patreon membership. So Patreon is a way that people are supporting us. We're a nonprofit. So the only reason we're able to do any of this is because of donations from people like you. We got this grant. That, that says, hey, anybody who supports who, through Patreon from now on, they're going to match it five to one. So your money will go five times farther in helping us. Meaning if you're not a patron and you want to sign up for a dollar, you'll actually be five dollars added to that every time. And if you're already in Patreon and you increase your pledge by any amount, it goes five times farther towards helping us. So I love this because that's showing that the people who gave us that grant care about getting this stuff out. And in case you feel like, how can I give back? Doing a little bit now goes a long way. So that's a way that you can mm. maybe feel good helping us. But the big news yeah. is that we, we, because we love the impact this stuff is having on the audience and because of the support that we've gotten from all the people, we're going to be launching a major upgrade to our program. And this is going to be happening two weeks from today. So next week, we're not going to have any show because we're getting this ready. But the show following, we're going, you're going to, it, you know, it'll be apparent right away that we've, we're trying to take the vehicle that we present these ideas in and just upgrade it in every possible way. So what we're hoping for is to get the ideas to become clearer, the message to become stronger, the communication more interesting, innovative, and entertaining, the program itself more shareable. Because we know a lot of people say, oh, I love this, but I can't, my friends don't understand it. We're going to try to make it something that's easier to, sh more palatable to your friends and everything. Plus plus a new intro 
Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that's what we said there's going to be. The, so everything will be receiving a lift there. And this is us saying, hey, we believe in the cause together. Yeah. And we're going to try to, we think these ideas are so awesome that we want them rendered in the best possible way that they can be so that people will let them in, see their value, and it will give them the same kind of help in dark times that you guys were all just talking about there. So that's the point. And so in the interest of that, we will see you not next week, but two weeks from now the 19th of March in this year, 2018. We're going to take the next step on this journey, and we're excited to have you there with us. And we thank you so much for coming with us this far. Jonathan Rose, it's been a pleasure. Always a pleasure. He'll be here when the new show starts up, too. Don't worry about it. And so will I. Sorry. Okay, we'll, we'll see you two weeks from now. Thanks for everything. Swedenborgan Life is Amy Aquarola, Morgan Beard, Curtis Childs, Karen Childs, Matthew Childs, Alexa Cole, John Connolly, Cara Dom, Chris Dunn, Stuart Farmer, Ben Keyes, Reed McArdle, Chelsea Odner, Jonathan Rose, Shiloh Silverman, and Shada Sullivan. <laughs>